0: everybody welcome to another episode of quizlet quizlet is of course the, the little mini episodes that we do in between our big fat monthly quizotron shows and we're gonna keep going with this new format we've got going where we're gonna do like a little mini quiz between me your host rebecca watson and my good friend keith ol jensen hey keith hey how are you i'm super how are you doing Good. Yay
1: to the new format. Loving the new format. I had a lot of fun last time. Yeah, I'm a new format kind of guy. Yeah, let's do it again.
0: Uh, All right. So, well, actually, first, let's mention that uh, we do have a show coming up. Uh, I meant to have the information in front of me when I did this, but I wanted to mention it at the top. Um,
1: San Francisco Sketch Fest.
0: Yes, we are going to be in San Francisco Sketchfest on January the 13th.
1: One Lucky of the biggest uh, comedy festivals in the world.
0: Indeed. So, if you guys want to come out, you don't need uh to buy into the whole festival. It's still, you know, an independent ticket, but you can get that ticket by going to sfsketchfest.com and looking for Quizotron. And there are tickets, and you should come. So, yeah, Sunday, January 13th.
1: Yes, and we're at uh, a theater that used to be the Eureka Theater. We're not at our usual spot. And what Correct. is it called now? What did they change their name to?
0: I never – Gateway. The Gateway. Anyway, oh, my goodness. I remember Gateway now. Theater. It's yes. finally starting to take <laughs> hold in my brain. Uh, yeah, it's a great great theater. Uh, it's a little bigger than our normal theater, and uh, – but they've got a full bar, so don't worry. We'll still all be uh, completely drunk while talking science. So yes, yeah, uh, okay. New format. Who do you want to go first, or should I go first?
1: You know, I'll I'll go first. Um, okay. As you know, always the the depressing news of how the Earth is dying. Um yeah. But a uh, a guy being a clumsy ass uh, may have helped save the uh, the tropical reefs. Oh. And how how did one man's clumsiness possibly help save the tropical reef?
0: Oh, okay. He um, He tripped over a reef-killing shark and killed it. It was the last of its species, and now the reef will flourish.
1: This is what I love about you, that you would hazard a guess on something that your your odds are so low but you're like what what do i got to lose right, right. and you went for it and and you nailed it right on the yeah. head except I actually, that – what, do you, what I do, do you actually go ahead
0: i do i i did see a headline recently about a guy who was about to retire and then figured oh. out some way of saving the, the reefs but i don't know the details of it but i do know that he put off his retirement because he found this brilliant solution to the current problem of our dying coral reefs but i don't know what that solution is or
1: uh if he tripped over it that it that's you're good that's the Am beginning of the story yeah all right his, his name is uh dr david vaughn and he is, you know, farming reef, which is one way to say he's keeping some cool uh, reef aquariums, mm. um, which is something I used to be really into. I used to set up aquariums for living, including reef tanks. Uh and saying that you're farming coral is one way to excuse something you're doing that's actually, you know, helping a, a very destructive industry. Um oh, wait, <laughs> no, I, tell I'm me more,
0: because I'm very interested in that. I was going to ask, like, how? What do you do with that? Like, do you do you do you grow it and then you give it to no. someone?
1: <laughs> not No, understand. you grow it, so you're contributing to the science of growing it, which in some cases, like his, could actually be a thing. Um, and, and you know, more and more, we are farming the corals that they use in reef tanks and maybe helping develop the process of farming.
0: Okay. Which, which oh, so you're us. saying that you were contributing to the industry because that is the supply and the demand will then keep up for more coral products.
1: Yeah. And they actually go and... You know, unfortunately, a lot of it is still harvested out on the reef and and can be destructive. But but it's not the big problem. It's not the thing that's killing the reef. And then this guy had an accident and he went to move a piece of coral. He describes it as being about the size of a golf ball. And he didn't realize it was attached to the bottom of his aquarium, so it broke. So his clumsy ass broke it. He set it aside, figured it would die and forgot about it. And when he came back to him, it had grown back to the size the little uh, piece had grown to the size of the original coral and so now he goes about playing godzilla in his tank and breaking all the coral and they respond by growing 25 times as quick as if you just let them grow and and keep supporting their growth
0: interesting so breaking them off but then leaving them there they reattach themselves and then that's really interesting i wonder if it's like um they do they become their own colony is it like mitosis or meiosis i never
1: remember which one is which <laughs> yeah each each piece is going to now sort of become its own thing although they they i don't know if they actually qualify as a superorganism but they certainly seem to function like one yeah so oh, that's so each, cool. each piece of the break then grows and it's one of the things that you know seems like it should have been very obvious
0: Yeah, how did no one figure that out before?
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's the way it happens, right? Oops. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Whereas I think up till now, it's been very like, ooh, be careful, don't break them, they're growing, they're growing really well. Don't don't break them, it'll be destructive. uh, No, no. So um, if anyone out there feels like going to their nearest tropical reef with a sledgehammer, um, just explain when you're being arrested that you were helping.
0: Is this a could this be applied like you know, yes, it works in an aquarium, does it work out in the
1: ocean? Well, that's why he didn't just go, all right, I saved it, you're welcome, and then continue with his <laughs> retirement the The reason he's going to continue working instead of retiring is to figure out how it can be applied, yeah, um it, he says he hopes to transplant this technology around the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which is funny to like to call it this technology, technology. I'm, I'm sure there will be some technological breakthroughs in how to apply it but right now it's not technology it's breaking, breaking Which, you it. know so yeah. that instinct we have when something's not working to hit it sometimes that instinct pays off
0: <laughs> that's nice what yeah, I, it's that's good, a, right yeah, that's a good happy story
1: yeah the next time you're pounding on the side of your computer because it doesn't work just remember yeah you might just- you might be helping it grow 25 times as much. I'm, I'm sure it can. think that that's how that works. No, I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty sure oh, okay. that, would, that would work.
0: All right. Uh, well, g- good,
1: good news story. Well done. You know, it's hard to find any optimistic stories. When I it comes... know. Even the ones like, uh, oh, we might be able to spray some stuff into the atmosphere that would deflect the sunlight. And they're like, oh, so see, there might be hope. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. No. And, uh, that yeah. sounds a little risky. I've seen the matrix.
0: Yeah. That sounds like introducing a weasel population to control your snake population. Right. And then you've got a weasel infestation.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you
0: need hawks. And then you've got a hawk infestation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have sort of good news, too. That's,
1: ah, this is, that's kind of our ha- theme.
0: Yeah. <laughs> good news theme. Uh According to researchers at the London School of
1: Economics,
0: what event may, may cause an adult man to become less sexist?
1: Hmm. What event may cause an adult man to become less sexist? Mm-hmm. Do I get the points even if my answer is not the one that you were looking for but is still right? No. No because
0: i explicitly said according to researchers at the london school of economics to get around that yeah damn you yeah
1: all right what a event may cause you know i wish i could just say like talking to a real live woman (laughs) i i wish that would do it
0: that would assume that these sexist men already assume that women are people worth talking to
1: no like maybe on accident they were like they, they oh, talked right. to one. They didn't know it was a woman. They're like, "Oh, it turns out she's, she's a woman, and she's like got feelings and emotions and thoughts and stuff." It was crazy, you crazy. crazy I know. Life. Weird. All right, I I surrender.
0: What if I told you that if you were sexist, having ten a daughter years ago, yes, <laughs> having a school age daughter, to be specific. All right. Uh, which this news did. Like when I first read it, I was like. I made the jacking off motion with my hand, even though I'm alone. Right. Uh, Because, you know, it gets tiring as a feminist to constantly hear, like, but what about our daughters? And it's like, you know, a woman can have value without being a daughter or a wife or a mother. But uh, this was kind of a, kind of a positive story. So... Researchers looked at more than 10,000 men and women's answers to questions that were on a survey that is conducted every year from 1991 to 2012, same questions every single year. And they particularly looked at the uh, subjects who agreed with statements like, and I quote, a husband's job is to earn money, a wife's job is to look after the home and family. And to see how their agreement with that statement changed over time. So, men who agreed with statements like that tended to stop agreeing with it once they had daughters who were in school. Ah. And according to the researchers, it's because the men, and I quote, experience firsthand all the issues that exist in a female world. And then that basically moderates their attitudes toward gender norms and they become closer to seeing the full picture from the female perspective. So, it's not like it's not about sexism in general, it's about Really, it's about gender roles. Right. And uh, yeah, so a decent percentage of men uh, start out thinking like, yeah, women belong in the home. And then they have these, you know, firecracker daughters. And they're like, oh, I want this girl to grow up to be a doctor or a lawyer or a flight pilot and to do whatever she wants to do. And that will, you know, that experience changes their mind. And so for those men, uh Particularly sexist men, I'm using that as the term sexist as, you know, shorthands for men who agreed with those things. Right. Uh, right. There, it works for me. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so for those guys who had daughters, there was a change of about eleven percent of them who got less sexist after having daughters. uh
1: kind I, similar to to my news story how do you then take that and apply it i mean you can't make them all yeah. have daughters exactly
0: <laughs> but yeah, what do because, you like, do with it most most men will never have a child at all you know or have a have a son yeah like among the percentage of men who do have a child you know half of them are going to have a son you know and then not, not only they're going to keep
1: being pigs but they're going to pass it on
0: right <laughs> And even amongst the ones who have a daughter, you're talking about one out of 10 or so who are actually going to fix their shit because of that. But the the good news from the study was that the majority of men, 63%, started off with egalitarian views. Uh, So only 37% of the thousands of men that they looked at held those shitty
1: gender normative Ah. views at the outset. where was the survey conducted? Where are these men from?
0: Uh, in the UK. Ah. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's good that most of them started out egalitarian. So we're talking already about a minority of men. But, yeah, how do, we, uh, how do we make this so that, like, how do we take this and apply it to more than just men who are having daughters? Or how do we make uh every man who has a daughter, you know, realize this, I think that, you know, it has to do with exposure, like these men's exposure to people who are different from them, you know, it's the same reason why, you know, to make someone like people will become less racist, the more they interact with people of other races, you know, in positive ways. Um So, right. you know, to me, it's like, we can do that through the media. We can do yeah. that through you know an increase in films and books that are you know that center women in their stories and show so there was, women with interior lives.
1: you know there was a report that I heard yesterday on NPR that movies Typical are, are doing <laughs> movies are doing better if they have a female lead. Yeah, that's that's across the spectrum. That's in children's movies, adult movies, action films even. Um, I mean, no wonder the the men's rights guys, the MRAs, were so upset about these cool action movies coming out with female leads. The Star Wars movie and Mad Max. Remember, they were trying to organize boycotts. And guys are like, yeah. So, you know, even guys that were down with the MRA thing were like, okay, really attractive woman – like kicking ass and shooting guns and racing cars. I'm sorry. Sorry, guys. Can't support you on this boycott. (laughs) And those movies did great. And, uh, you know, more and more kids' movies are featuring female leads and still doing really well. And so I'm wondering how much of that is a reflection and how much of that actually will have an impact, how much it really does affect us.
0: I think it it reminds me of the conversations that we used to have in the skeptic community about – how difficult it is, it is to get the skeptic perspective out. And I remember talking to, um, Oh boy. I'm not gonna remember his name. Cause I'm a jerk. He's the, he's like Charles Darwin's great grandson. And he, uh, he now makes movies. Charles the third. Oh yeah. Charles Darwin, the third. That's right. We'll just go with that. So You're welcome. <laughs> Anyway, I remember interviewing him many, many years ago, and he said, you know, it, it was hard to get anything made in Hollywood that was science-focused and skeptical. And, you know, it was because everybody would say, well, because that's not going to sell. And his point was that nobody – if you had said in the 80s that, you know, if you would proposed supermarket sushi <laughs> – Everybody would be like, right. nobody's gonna buy that. But then once sushi It's still a bad ball, idea, by the way. I well, you're you're vegan. What do you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you if you live in in uh western New York and you have a Wegmans, Wegmans has the best sushi. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. But um yeah, event- eventually, you know, it takes off and now every supermarket has a sushi counter. Um, it's just one guy has to be the first one to stick his neck out. And once that becomes famous and popular, oh, now it's okay. So I think it's the same deal with uh, female protagonists in films. You know, th- for years we were told they don't sell. Nobody wants to go see these movies. Right. And then they did sell and they're selling and they're selling and they're selling. And so now we're going to keep seeing more and more films with women at the center. And I think that that's really awesome for obvious what reasons. What sucks is
1: when some well-intentioned crappy filmmaker <laughs> goes and does it and it doesn't sell. And you're like, no, no, that's because their film sucked.
0: Oh, right. It's yeah. like We
1: have to not only wait for that person willing to do it, but that person willing to do it who then gets it right.
0: Yeah, like when, you know, at, in the early days, there's always going to be – uh, something that bombs, and it's like, oh, well, that's what all films starring women are. They're right. t- badly written garbage dumps, you know? And it's like, <laughs> no, it's just, you know, you're allowed to have mistakes, but men, well, men are allowed to have mistakes because, you know, men are the default. So if, a movie bombs with a man at the lead, you don't say, well, that's why we can't have men in the lead. But if it's a woman or God forbid, a black person, then you're screwed. So yeah, it's, it's tricky, but I think that, yeah, I think women after the last two years uh, have really pushed through that. And we're to the point now where I think we can have a female driven film, spectacularly bomb, and it probably won't be too detrimental to women in film in general.
1: I hope. Right. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully I, the same with black characters. We've, we've I hope so. Like blockbusters.
0: Yeah, you know there have been. I all of my favorite movies of the last year have been uh, majority black actors, black creators. I think you know, like Sorry to Bother You, and Black so are Panther. Are we going to talk about
1: or, Sorry to Bother You? <laughs>
0: Uh, you came to that so late that everybody was already done talking about it i think
1: that's (laughs) that's because that's because i'm cheap but i'm actually glad that i came to it that late because well it's amazing you weren't spoiled exactly it makes me appreciate that people aren't spoiling it and i'm not going to spoil it here on this podcast but oh my god like, yeah. I did not see that ending coming, and not in a M. Night Shyamalan sort of clever twist way, but in a, like holy really lord, this is the most there. effed up thing I've ever seen kind of way. Like, really? That's what they're doing? Yeah. Really? And I loved it, but I'm yeah. just sitting there in awe, like, nah, no, nah. Because I- <laughs> it was, like, getting more and more extreme in its sort of dystopian vision of capitalism in in like really fun satisfying ways and then all of a sudden all at once jumped every single shark
0: yep and like that was great just so ambitious and weird and awesome like yeah well were you a coup fan prior
1: to the
0: movie yes uh and i'm gonna can i name drop
1: (laughs) sure sure
0: I met Boots at a party a couple of years ago and I had no idea who he was and I found him completely delightful. And so I started listening to the coup after that. And I was like, oh, he's actually super talented. And then he's so great. A couple years later, he does this. And I'm like, I met that guy at a party
1: once. (laughs) So I ended up sitting next to him. While Pat Oswalt was taping his most recent or no, his not oh, okay. his most That's recent, a, but his special way more name drop. Way better. No, no, no. <laughs> but I didn't talk to him. I was too starstruck. And I, I've met enough celebrities that I'm not often that starstruck. But he's not only, you know, famous, because <laughs> he's not even that famous compared to some of the people I've met, but he's cool. Like yeah, he's, he's so cool. And I just sat there next to him just going like I'm sitting next to Boots and never never said a word to him. <laughs> and he so dressed. I have not met
0: Like, I don't know, maybe it was a fancy party. I think it it might have been a sketch fest after party. But, yeah, he looked amazing. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) So, yeah, uh, I see that.
1: But before we we wrap this up, it it is December. So I'm glad we did our, you know, movie of the year for people to watch. Real quick, I I just think it's interesting that before we started recording, you and I were talking about our our adventures dealing with Christmas. Here we are, a couple of skeptic non-believers. Have you ever come across these these atheists that feel really strongly that we should not be celebrating Christmas? I've even had one accuse me of Christian privilege, of of not being willing to let go of my Christian privilege in celebrating (laughs) Christmas. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah right? I because I, you know, I, I lived in Buffalo for a couple of years and did a lot of work with Center for Inquiry and uh, the hu- whatever their humanist wing is called. Um, and What's His Chunk runs their humanist <laughs> organization.
1: Um, you sure it's not What's His Chunk the Third?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. What's His Chunk the Third? You know, he <laughs> looks kind of like Santa Claus and he wrote a book about. He's how bad Myers? Santa was. No. <laughs> he, he doesn't look like Santa. Sure uh, he does. Tom Flynn works for Center for Inquiry and he's written, he wrote a book, I think, about how evil Santa Claus is. And basically, nice. he thinks that um, he argues that Santa Claus uh, basically scars people for life because. You know, it's like your parents lying to you and your parents should never lie to their kids and blah, blah, blah. And he hates Christmas so much that he uh, purposely comes into work on Christmas Day, even though no one else is there. The building is locked down he goes and he will work eight hours he'll send emails to people and it's like tom i'm not in the office because it's christmas and it's like his own like that's how he protests christmas is by going to work an office job and i can't think of anything sadder
1: you can also celebrate christmas without doing the santa claus thing to the extreme that people do it
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can celebrate Christmas however you want. Like,
1: he... you can celebrate Christmas and not even have children. Did you know that?
0: <laughs> what? I always have yeah. pets to take the place of my children. So I feel like.
1: <laughs> I did take
0: my dog to have a picture with Santa Claus. I, I, I saw.
1: I saw. It was the Beckiest thing you've ever done. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, so we decided not to do Santa with my daughter, which is funny because I, I have four brothers. And just me and the one who's a Christian minister felt this way about Santa. I didn't really? want to lie to her, and Christian minister brother didn't want to lie to to his kids. Um, so we just the other three brothers are like, "You're not going to do Santa? What the hell's the matter with you?" <laughs> My daughter says to me, "Dad, what's the Santa Claus guy all about?" I said, "I don't, I don't believe in him, honey." She said, "I do." I was like, "Oh." Okay, and that's when I found out you don't get to decide. Kids decide what they're going to play and they're not going to play. And she believes in Santa and unicorns and all the Greek gods. And it's you know, there's nothing I can do about it. Grandma gets her presents from Santa. I mean, at least it saved me some money. Yeah, there you go.
0: So yeah, I I gave a whole talk about uh about how I love lying to children, and I think
1: it is good.
0: Yeah, it's fun and. I think it's healthy in most cases for kids to uh, realize at some point that adults are lying to them, even about something as world changing as the the idea that a fat man comes into your home every year and gives you presents, you know, for me and for a lot of kids, it marks an important skeptical turning point in realizing that like you, you can't just trust people because they're nice to you. And it's a, fun thing to believe in. like. So, oh, I
1: think it's a great stepping stone drug to atheism.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if they lied to me about Santa, like, and also because as a kid, and I I realized when I talked about this stuff in my uh, presentations and stuff, I, I had people confirm that I'm not the only one who grew up being constantly confused about the difference between Jesus and Santa Claus.
1: I love that. That's great
0: like which one am i prayed like i'm pretty sure i prayed to santa claus on several occasions as a child
1: well i grew up catholic so we prayed to all different people all the time anyway like oh santa claus wasn't an actual saint but whatever i'm sure he has jesus's ear
0: saint Nicholas's, is, isn't he
1: He's not official. He's not a real saint. They call him Saint oh. Nicholas. Pace. He wasn't an actor. Well, I mean, I just heard that recently and didn't question it. I should look that up. I don't know if Like that's
0: my true. Uncle Steve. We call him Uncle Steve, but he's not he's really, not really your uncle. No. Yeah. That was a, also a big turning point in my life when I asked my parents <laughs> uh, if Uncle Steve was mom's brother or dad's brother once I realized what aunts and uncles were and they laughed right. at me. He laughed at me, like, oh, "Oh, he's not related to us." I'm like, "Well, fuck you! How am I right. supposed to know? I'm ten. I don't You've know been anything." Punishing
1: them ever since.
0: Yeah, yeah. This I mean, look at me.
1: The opening chapter of Rebecca's biography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I swore I'd have my vengeance.
1: <laughs> Uncle Steve. Uh, so uh, anyway, all you skeptics and atheists out there, enjoy your Christmas. And, and you, you know, you don't have to. Just enjoy, like, the the one perspective on enjoying it is uh, that the traditions existed, even most of them, prior to Christianity. And it's not really a holiday to begin with. But the other one is, and and I feel this one more and more strongly lately, because I actually do a, a sort of Christian-ish kind of Christmas. I mean, Silent Night is like my favorite song to play. It's a good song. Yeah. It's the most peaceful, lovely song. We are culturally Christian. That's how yeah. we grew up. That's a part of our identity. And we can enjoy the parts of that that we enjoy. Yeah. And, and the ritual of it. And for some reason, the my my Jewish friends are so much better at that. Like, I know so many yeah. Jewish atheists that are like, yeah, of course I do all the Jewish stuff. I'm Jewish.
0: Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Part of their identity. So why yeah. wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. I, and, I'll go to, like, I love a good Christmas Eve candlelight service. Big fan absolutely. of this. Absolutely yeah and the songs are great, like uh religion in general has been very good for for art, for music, for architecture, you know, I love all those things,
1: yeah, until it came to pop music. why I don't know why they can't they really dropped the ball there, didn't they yeah i mean it's... i I love some gospel, but since then it's been pretty downhill, even folks like Aretha Franklin, who was very religious, it's her secular work that we're gonna remember her for.
0: Yeah, Amy Grant. Uh, oh, people only remember "Baby, Baby." <laughs>
1: <laughs> and didn't she we, do a cover of uh, "They Paved Paradise and Put in a Parking Lot"? Did she? I think so. You might nice. be thinking of Janet Jackson. They're they're not if the same. Janet Jackson same and
0: Amy Grant is a That's very a common. <laughs> I'm not
1: religious, but that is the sin, and you'll yes, go to hell for that. You
0: will go to hell. <laughs> We we burned our Amy Grant cassette tapes when she went secular. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. We weren't allowed to like we'd spat upon her grave.
1: <laughs> wow. What? So what did you? What? What? Uh, tribe? We were Baptist. Baptist. Oh wow. I was at a Christian camp, and I had my Pink Floyd cassette tapes, and I was getting ready to throw them on a fire. Yeah. And I felt a tap on my shoulder and I looked up and my brother, John, was standing behind me and he went, yeah, we don't do that. Oh, <laughs> they and I was like, oh, oh, thank God, you know, put him back in my my jacket.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think mine that. was at a, at a Christian, Christian snow camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, they loved burning secular music, really into it.
1: I yeah, thought it was luckily. super
0: cool at the time, but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: I want so badly to have something. I mean, I named an album Atheist Christmas, little plug there. Um, and still, nobody's thought to ever burn my stuff. And I just, that would...
0: Maybe they've just be been so burning great. it in
1: the privacy of their own homes, so and they didn't let you know. They didn't they want you to have be. the
0: satisfaction.
1: I just, I want to know that they're buying it to burn it. That would that would right. make me feel so much better spending that money.
0: You should do, a, like, a giveaway. If people buy your album and then, like film themselves burning it, they get a prize. You know, Ooh, that's they'll good. be entered into
1: a, a drawing. Uh Eternal Life copy. in Heaven isn't isn't <laughs> enough of a prize. I have to no, add their, something.
0: Their prize will be a a copy that's not burnt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. So it's basically just a two for one deal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh all right, Keith. Um, so one more plug, uh Sketchfest. Go to sfsketchfest.com to buy tickets to our next show on Sunday, January thirteenth. And uh in the meanwhile, uh we're gonna we're gonna chat one more time before Christmas. So I won't say have a good Christmas.
1: Um I will say to add to your plug that I've done two Sketchfest shows with you and they are the funnest shows. The sketchfest are, are incredible.
0: Yeah. Be there
1: or don't. But but do. (laughs) I'm working on my pitch. It was good. It was good. I think you have a future in advertising.
0: I have a past in advertising, so why not? Uh, (laughs) Goodbye, Keith. (laughs) Goodbye, Rebecca.